Hello, my name is Patrick Clinch, and I feel persecuted about keeping in touch with me here. Listening to Let's Keep in Touch, and this is me here, Shah. I've had a eventful few weeks. I graduated college for one. I did. It happened in my living room at about 4 p.m. when I submitted an essay I just started earlier that day.、Um, what else? I gave a speech on Zoom for my scholarship class, which was actually kind of fun. I spent like three whole days writing this 15 minute speech and practiced it for about a day. and Uh, actually, it was、uh, it was very rewarding, and I was really honored to to be senior speaker. So,、um, thank you for everyone who made that happen.、Um, what else? Gosh, I started a Chloe Ting's two week ab shredder workout with my girlfriend and a friend, and my God, I am so out of shape. My my stomach has not felt this pain in years. Like this is a pain that I felt in high school, and I for completely forgot existed in the world, and. Yeah, it's been、uh, very tough. Hardest thing I've done in a long time. But、uh, that's the point, I guess.、Um, so, you know, two weeks I'll be Kumananjiani.、Um, no, I won't be. But I hope I am. And、uh, lastly, I just found out today that I got the Excellence in Screenwriting Award from the Department of Communication, which was、um, very big news. And. Made me very happy.、Um, it feels good to get acknowledgement from your professors that you, you know, did well in the last two years.、Um, yeah, it was just huge news and a great way to, you know, go out. Otherwise, I have been playing a lot of video games. I'm still very much unemployed, and、um, life is as usual here in quarantine. My next guest is Patrick Clinch. A、uh, rock star. Ew, did I just say rock star? Sorry, Patrick. He's really good at improv, and、um, he's been a really great friend over the last few years.、Um, we've had a lot of laughs together. I'm definitely going to miss him after I graduate. And, well, I did graduate. That's so weird to say. I didn't actually. It's fine. I graduated. I'm going to miss him when I, whenever you know, I actually have to leave Chapel Hill and North Carolina and go elsewhere.、Um, But I was really happy that we could sit down and chit chat for a little bit. I hope you guys enjoy it. I don't know about you, but I feel like I, in the absence of chips, have just like a huge reservoir of excess energy that I. <laughs> That no one else in my life can like acceptably like experience without it being like really insufferable for them. Like, yes. <laughs> my, I, my, with my family, like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm still like the, like the joker of the family, but it's nowhere near, like, I can't. Sometimes I'll say something and they'll think I'm angry and like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just, just doing a bit. Yeah. It's just an impassioned bit. Like, a, no, it was a、yeah. strong bit. That, that's, <laughs> no, same for my family. Like, I was at home. Like, I'm like, You know, the funny guy of the family. But, like, it's more of like in my family, it's like the only jokes that are respected are like things that represent like a sharp wit. You know, it's like you have to like 
you know, they have to be they have to be intellectual. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I'll suck your nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, Patrick. But it's been okay. I mean, I, I mostly I just miss every everybody. Yeah. Individually. Yeah, I um I I looked at the False Prophets show. I didn't like actually watch it live, but they posted a bunch of clips on it. And I don't think we could have done that. Yeah. I don't I'm in the sense that like I don't think I would have enjoyed it <laughs> cuz they had to do like basically like sketches on Zoom. Yeah. No, that that I feel like I would have hated it, cuz it's not the same. It's like a shadow of like what it would have been. Right. And also like I doubt that it we like cuz I I feel like you can't really make that sort of thing funny, especially not like multiple sketches in a row funny over Zoom. Like I couldn't imagine, like, because because if anyone's gonna watch that show, it's gonna feel like you're just like in class. Yes. Yeah. Kind of watch this, and you're like zoning out. And you're like, I don't care. Well, why did I even? Why am I here? <laughs> why did I pay money? Yeah. Were they were they <laughs> donating to charity with that, or? I you know I assume so, but I'm not. I would not assume so. That's what, I want to pull. I want to pull some of that um, when I get back to when we get back to Chapel Hill. It's just be like. Oh, chips! You know we're struggling actors. Like this is a ch- the time is really tough for like screen actors and like stage actors. And um, we would really just appreciate your support. Do like a GoFundMe or like, you know, be out on the street like to raise money for our charity. We will be chugging milk gallons in the pit. Please donate. Please donate. Um, <laughs> just have a small a small bowler hat in front of us where people can throw at you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd donate. <laughs> I know you would. So wait, what what's your plan at the moment? Basically the the job process moved up to May 18th. So now like starting May 18th I can like pitch to companies and, okay. and like start to like talk to companies and hopefully get interviews from some. But because they're all startups and they're all a lot of them are like, you know, poor and can't do much in this climate, they basically said that like there's a chance you won't find a job for like 6 months. So they've extended the time to like support us until 2021 well that's Um, nice at least like that you know that i feel like that you're not nearly as like left in the dust as like i guess some people could be at the moment but yeah very much so i'm glad they're not just like well no you're screwed and you just go back on linkedin forever yeah um yeah i mean i don't like it's it's one of those things that like i have no idea what i want to do so i'm i'm glad that i have so many options but it also it's also one of those things that like because you could achieve whatever you put your mind to here. I can I can do whatever I want to do if I dream far enough. I can just uh, go to the stars if I wanted to. So. <laughs> Motivational speakers who talk way close, way, way too close to the microphone. Um, you, can achieve, you can do whatever you want. and um, um, I'm really proud of you. And I think you can do it. And when I look at you, I see potential. You are, uh, you are uh, a light in this world, and you deserve everything that the world does upon you. A lamp should not be covered. <laughs> I don't even remember. Do you know that Bible quote that's like, it's like, uh, did you just ask me, do I know that Bible quote? Pat? Come on. <laughs> I don't know. People talk, people talk about it. People talk about it a lot. It's like, it's like whenever like a, a like a lamp, like shouldn't be covered up. Cause it's like a lamp, you know, and like, you gotta let the light shine or whatever. Like that was like my, uh, back when I went to like YMCA camp or whatever, as a kid, it's like the director of our camp would always come out and be like, y'all are lights in the world. You're all individual lights and don't cover up that light. That's not what Jesus wants. Don't cover that light. You got to let it shine. Other people to see. I think about that all the time. He's a he's a heroin addict now. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> he 
He lost everything. <laughs> Dude, this guy was like a former UGA football player. He's like fucking jacked. Oh, wow. You know, just be like, the dream giver is giving each and every one of us a dream. <laughs> He's giving you a dream. He's giving me a dream. My dream is camp. Yeah, so yeah, he probably camp. is addicted to heroin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What about you? Do you know? Do you have plans this summer? Um, not really. The late show thing I found out like a couple days ago is not happening. They're just like not taking interns, which I figured was going to be the case. There's no way that was ever going to work out. That's really sad. Um, I mean, it sucks, but they also, they emailed me specifically and they were like, we'll move your candidacy to next summer. So that was cool, which I don't know if that means anything, but it's just like a gesture, which was nice of them to do. So, I mean, I I wouldn't mind doing that out like coming out of college like maybe doing a summer thing with them like maybe before grad school or something i don't really know exactly what i'm trying to do though but uh but that kind of sucks but barring that i'm pretty much just going to be in chapel hill like working on my thesis and then i'm going to try to volunteer for like a campaign maybe like cal cunningham or something nice but i don't know exactly um I told so like I told the Robertson that that was what I was going to do uh, in order to get money from them. <laughs> Very good. So I have to do some version of that. I don't know precisely what that's going to look like quite yet, but um, like I reached out to someone in the Biden campaign a while back that like I have like a loose connection to, but uh, which that would be cool to like work for them. But then there's also a part of me that's like, do I really want to like be like oh, I work for the Joe Biden campaign? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Like I like I obviously want him to win, of course, but like I just feel a little weird about it now at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a, it's a weird. It's a weird. I knew I knew this was going to happen come like January. I we I feel like I was like, yeah, it's inevitable. And now that we're actually there, it's it's just so grim and like non-exciting at all. It's not exciting at all. And like I I really I know like, I know that, like, it's so important that, like, someone else is president. It could literally be anyone else at this point just to, like, uh, you know, preserve American leadership in the world and all this other, like, long-term stuff that's really important. But it, like, doesn't feel – it doesn't. It won't feel like a resounding victory like it might have in another scenario if, say, yes. <clears throat> Elizabeth Warren had been the candidate. But, you know, that's what <laughs> The uh, I don't know that it it's just gonna feel a little anticlimactic if he does end up winning, which I obviously will pray every day between now and then that he does. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird, and I know like it just feels so non idealistic compared to the last like you know like Obama and like the Hillary Clinton election. Like it just feels like that was like a very much like a like an ideals war. Now it's like a well. uh what what do I want to get railed by, basically? Uh, yes. Which old man penis? Do I, <laughs> the um, uh, that's what they should really do is just have two pictures of their penises adjacent <laughs> to each other, uh, with their poll numbers. The um, I I yeah, I feel the same way. It's not nearly as like full of progressive energy. I also feel like they they're aware that there are like lots of Republican voters that would vote for Joe Biden, like would, would, would show up and vote for Joe Biden. And I, I feel like that they have to play to that as much as possible. And I understand that, but it feels weird because it feels like their campaign has literally done absolutely nothing to like 
convince young voters that Joe Biden is the candidate for them. Like they just haven't put any effort into that whatsoever. I saw a tweet that was like, Joe Biden's campaign has to really figure out how they're going to appeal to young voters. And then it showed like a Joe Biden crossword that they posted online from the campaign. <laughs> it's like, what on earth? <laughs> it's okay. Like boomers. The, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know. It's just frustrating. Cause like you would imagine that they would, they would, I mean, they have to be aware that like statistically speaking, if young people don't show up, then just things get way harder. So. Is like I think young people that do go vote will vote for him. It's just a matter of like the volume of people that are going to show up, and I just feel like right. there's no way that it's going to be that impressive, considering that they haven't put any effort into it. But I wonder if Trump wants to be president still. I like, truly. Oh my god, dude! I I doubt it. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. He. I feel like probably all it's like his doctors are probably like stop being president. <laughs> like the, 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 I don't know. He, cause I don't think he ever really wanted to be president to begin with. Like, I don't think he really wanted the job to right. begin with. I think he, he, I think he was always just like, I don't know. America was just another building to put his name on. And then now that he's done that part, he doesn't want to have to lead the nation. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a terrible, awful thing that like a horrible crisis has come about in those four years, you know, just by sheer chance. Yeah. Because um, he's being forced to, well, not even really being forced to try to lead because he's not really trying to. But there's also like, I mean, we don't have to talk about politics too much, but there's also like the the whole idea that he gutted everything that obama did to like prepare for a pandemic like this and he's like where's the buffet i don't know we we didn't need the task force we're winding it down oh oh see that's a good impression my impression was like barney like, <laughs> oh <laughs> oh kids dude do you remember like back in like elementary school i don't know i can't even remember like like people would come to elementary school and be like did you know that the guy who played barney like murdered children or whatever like there would always be like different like crazy shit that the actor who played barney had done like yeah masturbated off the set (laughs) yeah he's in jail for for slapping kids butts like over and like what on earth dude that's also i think i think some conversations surrounding barney is like how i learned what periods were because the he was please explain (laughs) because they were like somebody was trying to tell me that barney had previously been played by a woman but that she was fired because she had her period while in the Barney costume. And at the time, I was like, what is that? <laughs> I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then when I was... It still doesn't make any it sense. It doesn't make any sense, really, <laughs> still. Uh, I haven't t- made any singular effort to increase my knowledge of uh, reproductive health at all. The the But um, the guy who like, told me like what a period was, I was like bullshit i was like there's no way that's like high fantasy there's it yeah it can't be that people just bleed that's a video game that's like a one of those diseases that spreads in a video game that you have to stop they start bleeding randomly in a, in the month <laughs> anyway, the point is is that <laughs> randomly in the month <laughs> uh, the point is, is that i was very surprised about all of that as a kid yeah Thus began your journey to figure out what a period was at the age of eight. Um, I hesit- I'm afraid that it was 11. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, yeah, well, I don't know when I figured it out. I guess it was fifth grade but that I figured out what a period was. Yeah, because, like, I mean, it's also the type of thing, like, I guess they, like, told us that in, like, fifth grade health class. But then it didn't, like, dawn on me what that really meant. And then, like, it would, it took, like, my friends being like, oh, that's what happens for me to be like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, science is science until you see it in person. That's what we have Bill Nye for, you know? Right. Bill Nye needed an episode on periods. He really did. It, honestly, it's kind of fucked up that he didn't. You know what? Let's get him fired. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Come on, Bill Nye. The, uh, yeah, the, 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 when I first, the, the also, like in health class, when they were like, and like, you know, the, the, the man, like the man, like his, dna like it comes from the penis like that's how he like you know like whatever and and in my head i was like then how does it get to their mouth when because i just assumed naturally (laughs) that like kissing was the way that worked yeah (laughs) so can you just like turn it on off or like (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's like a valve (laughs) no that's what i thought is like you could just be kissing someone and be like baby (laughs) that's that's a gruesome thought. That's a... And that one I didn't figure out wasn't true until like 2018. <laughs> <laughs> You're sitting there and like... Don't don't use your lips. Just stick your tongue. <laughs> Can we touch tongues, please? I'm not ready for anything more. But yeah, just don't want to take any risks. Um, um How's Atlanta doing? Because I know like Georgia's opened up pretty early and yet their cases are rising. Like how's the how is it looking down there? Well, it's interesting because a lot of places are sort of opening up, but they are still either either like people are just not going um, to places that are opening up uh, like they're just not um, like going to restaurants or like going to barbershops that are open, which is weird because it's like it still kind of feels like all these things are closed because it's still very much like obviously frowned upon to like go out and do anything. Um, but there are a few things that have kind of opened up like randomly, like bowling alleys are open. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. A list of a bunch of things. And it was like, Oh, and bowling alleys. The four of them left in the state. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's, it's interesting. I think it's a kind of a little bit of like a, uh, a hint of like what's to come, which is like, even if we do open things up and that's the direction I guess things are headed in in most states at the moment, like people I think are just not going to be able, not are just not going to go back to normal life, even if they're allowed to, because it's just so uncomfortable. Like even like being in Chapel Hill, like it's been really fun, like seeing people and like we were up on like a balcony and on C square the other day. And like, there were a lot of people up there and like, it was really fun, but there was like a part of me that was like, I feel weirdly uncomfortable about this. Like, this feels like I'm like being, uh, you know, risk or like taking a big risk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Cause I, I've heard that North Carolina could open up within a month and I'm like, based on everything I'm hearing, I don't think I want to do anything. Like, I don't think, I don't think I'm, I'm going to feel comfortable really going out that much, maybe like hanging out on people's driveways, but like, it sucks, but yeah, I don't know if I want to go anywhere else. Yeah, no, I mean, like the the I feel like it is gonna be a long process of like no matter what happens between now and like unless there's like a mass produced vaccine by the end of the year, which you know I doubt it, then it's gonna mostly be a process of like figuring out how to live life 
in that scenario. Like for us, like if we're being in college, like things are really not that different. Like people just don't care. Um, and like, I, I, I feel better, honestly, being around only young people where I guess the assumption is like, no one is like particularly vulnerable. So we can kind of like quote unquote, do whatever we want. But like, even that is sort of not really true. Right. The, uh, but like, it's weird because like, it's, it's dawned on me being, being in North Carolina. Like I can't really go see my grandparents or my aunts or uncles that all live in like Raleigh. Uh, and like, they don't want to come to see me. And like, if I can't even do that, then like, how the hell are we going to go back to a scenario where we're like all going to college football games or, you know, like that type of thing. Like, I just don't see it. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm curious. Cause they've said that they, they plan on reopening college, like everyone coming back in the fall. And I guess that can happen, but I'm very curious as to like how they're going to manage everything. Cause like, like, especially like, like the pit area and like the quad, like, there's no way that they can just like no one's gonna feel comfortable like being that tight of a space class changes i don't know i feel like the um because my, my guess is like they'll make like big lecture classes be like online somehow or like there's going to be some type of regulation in that regard but or or they'll do the thing like like in atlanta the big thing for like the like few places that i went to like since things opened up, like mostly just like Target and stuff like that, they would do a thing where they were like take they would like take your temperature before you walk in with those like contactless uh, contactless thermometers. That's right. Yeah. And like someone was saying something about like maybe colleges will like have that um, to like before you like go into class or something. But I was like, how the hell are they going to do that in like every building on campus? Um, so I don't know. I mean, my, I sincerely hope that like we're back, not just because I like would love to be back in my senior year, but also because I really just like felt like I didn't learn anything in like the last half of this past semester. Like I still did like good work. Uh, cause I was like just at home. I had nothing else to do, but it was like, you know, not the same. It's just like a shell of, of actual classroom learning. Yeah, totally. And I feel that for you guys, because I know, like, for me, it's easy to be like, well, senior, like, my last semester, senior year was a joke in terms of, like, the types of classes I was taking. But I can't imagine having, actually having to be like, I need to, I should learn and understand what I'm doing. And, you know. Yeah, I mean, the only class that really mattered was, like, I I'm, I was taking that uh, data sciences class for, like, the poli sci major, where I was, like, supposed to be learning R and, like, how to code and all that stat stuff. And, like, Definitely didn't learn any of that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that skill will never be needed. Um, I'm assuming that it won't be so. We're in the yeah. The uh, I'll be interested to see what happens. I mostly feel bad for uh, my little sister who was graduating high school, and like she missed out on all the senior year stuff. But she's also going to have like a really weird transition into college, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, and and I guess she won't really know like what the difference will be because she, she won't have experienced anything else, but it's just not going to be the same. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's tough. But it also, if you look at it, you know, over the course of her four years, ideally by like the end of year two of her college experience, things are maybe getting a little bit better. And then by the time she's a senior, you know, everyone's living a normal life and she's like, wow, how many siblings do you have? Uh, two. I got an older sister and a younger sister. Um, my older sister is in New York. I mean, she she's up there, was up there. Like, she's an actress. 
and was trying to she was like in the middle of audition season when all this shit came down so it was like a lot of those um uh a lot of the theaters that she was auditioning for they like canceled their seasons and stuff so she and she like had a job at like coffee shop and then was like an usher at uh the harry potter show on broadway like both of those things got shut down so she's like kind of just sitting at home <laughs> damn yeah um so i don't know what her next move is going to be she's 20 she's 24 so it's like she she is still like really kind of new to that whole world and she's just like figuring stuff out but the um uh but we're all very nervous about that (laughs) yeah that's scary i mean i didn't know that you i don't know you had siblings but i also didn't know that like you had siblings that were into like performing and stuff that's pretty that's cool to know yeah i mean emma my older sister emma she like she she was like the reason i ever did theater in the first place because she was like really into it um or like she got into it in like middle school and like fell in love with it and it's like been her life ever since but the uh she like encouraged me to to try it and like that was why like the first thing i ever did was like in fifth grade i was in like you're a good man charlie brown (laughs) (laughs) i was charlie brown Oh, you were, yeah. That makes sense, though. That makes sense. Yeah, I feel like the, I feel like the tallest Charlie Brown, the ever tallest exists. Charlie Brown ever of all time, and probably with the most hair. But we are. I feel like me and Charlie Brown are pretty kindred spirits. But the, um, but anyway, yeah, she's the whole reason I ever got into it. But she went to, um, like, she went to like Boston Conservatory, got like, f- like formally trained and all that stuff. And you're, <laughs> and you're at UNC going. <laughs> Please let me suck your nipples. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, but I'll be the one who's successful. That'll show her. Aha! And your other sister, does she like perform at all? No, she she's not really uh, like she doesn't really do that sort of thing. She she is, however, into like production stuff. Like she really likes to do like video editing and like audio editing and stuff. Like that's kind of her thing and she like her dream job is to do like production stuff on tv shows and whatnot so could all end up somehow in the entertainment world and by that i mean we could all try for a couple years and then end up being accountants or something (laughs) that's wild though man good for you guys it's cool to have a it's cool to have other people in your family kind of striving towards like the same sort of you know type of job type of industry it's mostly nice because like if i wanted to do something like quasi artistic after I graduate, like there's no way my parents can be like, well, we don't support that. Right. 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 Unless they're sexist against you, which would be refreshing to say the least. See, <laughs> classic reverse sexism. It's 2020. It's 2020. It's the start of it all. We're under attack. Dude, have you been to this part of Reddit? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's nice. Wait, you've got siblings, right? I do. I have an older sister. She's, uh, she's back home now, but she, so she graduated with a music degree, and so she's been in like a she's been a flutist, flautist, and then she was actually she was she lived in Atlanta for a year. She or I guess ten months, and she was a data analyst. She was doing music stuff on the side, and now she's back home, and she's unemployed because she got furloughed. Um, but yeah, she's yeah. I it, it is nice to have a sibling that's like an older sibling, especially that's like you know doing artsy stuff because. When I was doing improv and like screenwriting and stuff, it was just like, no, this is just that, but different. Like, <laughs> it's the same. Trust me. When I, when I was at home, like my parents are always like, of course, asking me about like what I'm going to do. And like, I'm pretty sure like my mom really wants me to go to law school. I think that's like just what she sees is like the, the only way I could ever make money with the majors that I have. But sure. the, um, but I keep insisting to them that like my life goal really is to just like marry 
into a really rich family. I married like a rich, <laughs> a rich woman. And then like for like the woman to like be like, you know, like the, my father-in-law really hates me because he thinks I'm like a drag on the resources. And then she's like, you just don't get it. Like he has more heart, more spirit than you ever had. And like, <laughs> and then like, you know, there's a whole arc where like, I'm like in our huge mansion house and I was like working on my typewriter, like writing like a screenplay for like 15 years that I never finish. Yeah. Me and the step, me and the, um, uh, father-in-law end up having like a heart to heart. And then he ends up kind of like adopting me as a son he never had. And anyway, so that's my plan. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So I don't really have any intention whatsoever of like pursuing anything of any professional weight. I My dream was always to marry like a doctor. Yeah. Someone just really rich. And then they just, I, I can be the stay at home dad. I write and I, you know do improv <laughs> i just go work, work with a bunch of 50 year olds yeah um and that's the whole gig that'd be fun no it'd be amazing plus uh you don't have to worry about being the breadwinner whenever the kids are starving you can be like well this isn't my fault yeah go ask your mom go ask your mom she's the one who makes all the money unless you want to play catch or yes and yes if unless you want to play catch or have something said to you that you're going to think about 30 years from now and leave an ice chip in your heart <laughs> Don't talk to your dad about it. The, um, I, uh, yeah. No, but I, I mean, I, all joking aside, like, I do really want to do something like that. Like, not, not the marrying rich part. Well, yes, but like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, I do, I do want to, like, try and write and perform out of college. And like, I really would love it. I mean, it's obviously like the dream career. Um, but I don't know. Like there are times I question whether or not that's even like in the cards at all. You know what I mean? Like it's not like I'm I'm not like, I, you know, you listen to you listen to that Conan O'Brien podcast and he's talking to like Adam Sandler or whatever. And he's talking about like, oh, you were so confident you walked in there. It's like, I'm going to be a big star. Yeah. I don't have that energy. I feel like you kind of need that to really make it. Yeah. And it's I mean, how I look at things is like, <clears throat> I feel like I have I don't I don't have pure talent. Um, I think I have like, I have a work, well, hear me out, hear me out. I think I have like a really good work ethic when it comes to these things. So if I were to be like, you know, I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to go try this for a year. I feel like if I went in with that being the goal, I feel like I could make something happen, but I don't think I can just kind of like, I need to fully commit and fully committing is what scares me. See, I'm the same. I mean, like the thing, the thing is, is like, I really don't have a very good work, work ethic. I don't really have a very good work <laughs> ethic with anything that I do. But I do, I do think that you are naturally talented at improv and well, all that I jazz. appreciate that. Uh, no, thanks. I, but I, 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 that's the thing is like, whether I am or not, I don't know if I've got the cojones to like make that into a reality. Like, I think that I think because I think if work ethic is against talent, it's going to be work ethic every time that makes it because you just have to like, I don't know, because because I feel like you, you've you also got like uh, sort of the package, you know what I mean? It's like you are talented, but I feel like you've also probably got like the ability to like try and assert yourself and like make it into a thing. I, I've, and I'm and I'm not white, which is super in right now. Oh, my God. We've got another token Indian. Yeah. <laughs> Producers yelling at each other from across the room. 
We got him. We got one. But I don't know. It's just like I, w- I, w- I want to be able to like get out there and like do the work uh, and be able to like because I feel like in order to actually make it as a writer, you've got to have like a portfolio of stuff that you've got available to like give to people and be like, this is an example of my work. Um, you know, like stuff you've never even used before or to like if you're doing like stand up or improv or something like you've got to like really you've got it's got to be your life. You know what I mean? Otherwise, it's never really going to be the quality that's necessary to like be a professional. Right. But I mean, so like I tell you a quick story. I listened to a talk by this guy named Tom Thrivani. It was a uh, Moorhead class of 2010. Um, and he, he worked in uh, investment banking right after college. And then he moved to mergers and acquisitions or whatever. And he was in it for like, for like, a, I, I think like five or six years or something like that. Maybe less. I don't know. I don't know the exact timeline. But basically, he wanted to be a, a, a comedy writer. And in college, he had interned at The Daily Show before he like went on the finance track or whatever. But he really, like, that's where his heart was. He, while he was working as a banker, he like wrote for a small magazine and like started to like write, not comedy stuff, but like write, wrote like financial economic stuff because that's the like, only stuff he knew. And then jumped to like writing for music and then eventually like, left his job and like he had a connection through the Moorhead at Comedy Central became like a assistant something uh like a production assistant I guess and then he just like worked his way up and then within like two years he's he was a comedy writer now he works for for James Gordon oh my god yeah so he's just he's straight up staff writer and it's that's crazy to me just because like I feel like I like the way he told the story was like no, I went into banking. Like I was way too scared to actually do that. And I feel like I'm sitting here like I'm not that scared that I'm going to go work in banking. Right. Like I, I'm still kind of like, oh, I should go to New York and like try this. I'm not like, you know, the fear level is not that high, which kind of encourages me to be like, maybe I should go try. I don't know. No, I think because I really do. I think if I were in that scenario, like the only thing I would have regretted is like not getting into it earlier. And like knowing knowing that about myself, like knowing how important it is to me, I feel like it would be a disservice to not try to myself. Um, but it's also the type of thing of like, I, I think that like, I am a funny person, but I don't know whether anyone else is interested in that. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like, like, I feel like, what? <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so, like, I feel like I can make myself giggle and, like, I can make, like, other people giggle and other people can make me giggle, like, in the context of, like, chips and when I'm around, like, all of you, like, talented people who, like, get it and are, like, on the same wave. But, like, I, sometimes I think, like, you know, honestly, I just don't know if, like, if I really went out there and did it, like, would that translate? to like the way comedy writing really works out there in the world or like the or like what people are actually interested in hearing about or I don't know I just like sit and worry about it even though I feel like that's a, the complete opposite of like what you really ought to do is just like get out there and say what you want to say and then eventually an audience will come but like yeah I I mean it's crazy that you're saying I feel like I th- always thought that you were more confident just because you you did like you know try to go to the late show thing and I feel like you were kind of like no I got it but it's, it's crazy to me because I like you I think you are like the take your dick out because I'm gonna start I'm gonna start touching it. But 
I <laughs> no, I really think that you are like you are like prime talent of chips. You, I feel like you get. I feel like you get improv to like at a certain. You got it much quicker than most of us get it. Like you came in hot. Like you came in, we were like, oh, he understands everything he needs to understand. And then all your ideas, like the whole, what was your your kindergarten Jesus bit that you were working on before? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's like that's like prime. Like, and then the, every idea you have, you always like, you know, take it and you just kind of like run with it. Even and it's completely yours, and it's not. It's clear that it's not coming from anybody else. Like I feel like that's all you need is yeah. like the boldness to be original. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Like the, and like I I you know, I think that there is a degree of like there's a degree of self-awareness with that where like i know that like i'm good at improv i suppose like i I definitely have never like worried that i'm maybe not good at that or like or that i'm i don't have like those impulses but i but i look at other people like i i've always considered you and like lauren and these are like just people who like they're kind of they're funny and like naturally talented but but you're also like i feel like i don't know i don't even know how to describe it like like you've kind of, you're kind of just like on top of things also like you're like like a holistic human being like you know what i mean like <laughs> like you can take like a vision and sort of execute it either in writing or like in improv and you can like play your role to the highest degree and it doesn't feel like it's like rooted in like you know uh, worry about whether or not it's going to work. It's just like, you, you just, you just can like do the thing you want to do without worrying about it. Or that's how it feels to me, like watching it, it which is like probably not even true. It's not, no, it's not. <laughs> it's completely false. <laughs> the, uh, you know, and it's also like, like someone like hope too, you know what I mean? Who's just like, she just has ideas that are insane and just can like, sit and write them and like and and is completely just i mean oh my god just so talented yeah and um well here's the thing like comparing yourself to like like i mean if you take like two comedians that are like real comedians and you look at them and you try to compare them even if they both did improv like they're gonna be vastly different for very true very true i don't know and it's like yeah go on well i think i think uh, i think I don't think in any way that like I don't look at other people in chips and think like, well, they're so much funnier than I am and I can't do it. Like, that's not how I that's not also not how I think about chips. You know what I mean? It's not like right. a, I'm not it's not like um, really a scenario where you're like thinking competitively or com- or like doing comparisons all the time. But it is a thing of like if you when I when I have sat and really given serious thought to the idea of like, OK, if the people that I know who are like talented at comedy or to go out there in the world and like really try their hand at it. Like who do I think would make it? <laughs> and like hope I think can make it in no time. I really, I, I was thinking about this. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about this a few days ago, actually. I, so I, I, I told, I don't know if I told you, but I, I gave um, like the senior speech at the senior Moorhead, like zoom thing that we had. It was like a, you know, like come celebrate graduation. I gave the senior speech and it was something that I like, I had a week to, I figured out I was doing it like a week before. Yeah. And I really like wrote from Sunday to like Wednesday. I was just like grinding out the 15 minute speech. I've never done anything like this before. Yeah. And after it was done, like I was really proud of it. There were like funny jokes in there. Then there was like deep stuff and whatever. And after I finished, I was so proud of myself. And I was like, dang, like 
I feel like I should try doing stand up, and then I immediately thought of Hope because I was like, <laughs> I like I remember like Hope's when she started t- telling us that she was doing stand up and she was telling us some of the things that she was do like writing about. I was like, this is just Hope's check ins. Yep. Like her stand up is just her it's just your check ins. <laughs> it's like, just her personality. Like, I don't know. I just feel like there's certain people that you look at and like if they really wanted to, they could probably go out there and do the thing. Well, and I mean, I think that like what sets her apart is not just that she is talented and like a good writer, but I think she also just like there there are people I feel like to whom it just sort of comes naturally. Like the, the their 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 work just sort of writes itself to some degree. And not that she doesn't put a lot of work into it, but it's like her perspective is just so unique and amazing that like it's just undeniable like that that her work is really great like it like just you can just feel her personality and her perspective and everything that she does and it can't really be replicated by anyone else yes and and that i think is what i would like to be able to do is not just like the writing aspect of it and like be a a good sketch writer of course i'd love to be a good sketch writer but i think what she's able to do which i think is amazing is to like be herself with her yes work and what she does because i feel like you're never like you can't you can actually literally cannot be good until you have a voice that is like fully your own and that's right. what i feel like i don't quite have yet and i think that's something that i could i i am developing and can develop and that takes like a degree of courage and work that I haven't put in yet. Um, But I think that that's like the thing of like, if you've got a baseline level of like desire to do the thing and then like talent, I guess, theoretically to like be a funny person professionally, (laughs) the rest of the battle is just like letting go, being yourself, trusting that your perspective is, is something that people would be interested in. And like that's the that is I feel like the place where I am in my consideration about whether or not like you know I, I want to get out there and do it is like am I ever going to have that level of confidence and courage to like say what I really think and do what I really want to do but yeah I think when I tried to do stand up a few years ago that was my problem was like I have no voice the things I'm saying I'm like I I look at what I'm about to say and I'm like I don't know why I'm saying this it's like there's no real like this is not at all what I need to be talking about so yeah I think that it is difficult to be able to find that um and I think I guess I guess the only way you really do solidify that is just by trying over and over yeah it's all it's definitely like just an exercise in repetition until you like find out that you actually do have ideas that are your own right because I, I feel like both of us definitely like grew up watching certain comedians or certain comedy things. And like, I, you know, I think like, oh, well, that's genius. I could do that. Yes. But then you realize that like the only reason that's genius is because at one point or another, they were like, well, I don't want to do that thing that people have done before. I'm going to do something else or I'm going to do what I think is uh, uh, or what I, what my perspective is somehow represent that. But I don't know. It's difficult to do. But I. Like, I think there, there's, like, not a person in chips, honestly, that I don't think could, like, get out there and, like, really give it the old college try if they wanted Yeah. No, I agree. I completely agreed. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about, you want to talk about chips fully, fully? I, this was when Bridget was on the podcast, we were, like, I think we did it, like, right before chips practice. Like, I think it was show week, too. And all we did was just talk about 
chips. <laughs> yeah, no, let's definitely just talk about chips. Yeah, down, 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 down. It makes me happy because it's, I feel so, like you said earlier, like I feel so far removed from it now. Even though, I guess it's only been two months, so it's basically like a summer vacation kind of thing. But that feels like it's like a whole lifetime. It does, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I miss it dearly. I, I can't like, I, and I think about like, I really do want to continue doing improv once I'm able to move out somewhere. And once that's a thing again. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's just like, it, it'll be completely a different animal, different environment, different like dynamics. And when you get out there in the world, you got to pay other people to let you do improv. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's wild. No, it won't be the same. Because, like, I think what what, what makes Chips great, especially in, like, the last, you know, two years, I think, is, like, just the the feeling of, like, togetherness that it it has. Like, I don't think think I've ever been a part of a, a club that has felt so, like, closely knit before. In my life or really any organization whatsoever that has felt so closely knit i agree and i think that i think the reason that it is that way is because the focus shifted about two years ago the focus shifted from like like performance to dynamic like group dynamic and i think that was just like the key because when i got on it i mean you know this too because you went on the semester after but it was really just like like is this gonna be funny let's make this funny right and there was no really real concern about like oh like does this person feel comfortable in the room right now right yeah and like i i i understand like when i first joined i definitely got the vibe of like okay funny wins out in this in this scenario and when i first kind of was in that scenario i was like I like that. Like, I like that funny wins out. I like that. Like, that's the ultimate goal is to like get out there and, ha- and, and they seem like they're really serious about their products. But then like when I was an actual chip and then like moving forward into like the way things have been lately, I realized like, actually, if you focus less on the product and more on the people, then like you actually, the product I feel like ends up being better. <laughs> yeah. When the focus is on each other, like, I feel like our shows that we did, our most recent ones have been like the best I've ever been a part of. Not because like there were huge arguments about what we put in the show, but because we were all so intent on like wanting to see each other's stuff succeed, you know, like there wasn't any, any, it never feels like nowadays that there are people who are like, wow, I really don't like that at all. I hope that that fails. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that would never happen in this scenario. And like, I think that that supportive yes. environment, like, I think the shows are better as a result of it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, yeah, I no, I'm just thinking about what there's so much I, I want to talk about. Um, I feel like, well, like, so when you auditioned for Chips, do you, did you have improv experience at all? Yeah, so I had done... Of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'd done... I'd done... Uh, so my my friend growing up, like, one of my best friends did improv at this... Uh, he was a part of, like, a youth troupe at some improv theater in Atlanta called Whole World. And he, okay. he convinced me to uh, do classes there one time. And so I did classes there, although... I only, I think I ended up going to like four of the classes, 
but the uh so i did that for a little while and i like immediately like fell in love with it but i like didn't take it very seriously but then when we got to high school when we were in ninth grade we like started an improv club at our high school and then that kind of grew and grew just out of like the drama kids at our school um but it was really just mostly a vehicle for me and jackson who's my friend to like just kind of try out improv and like and and um you know be funny and so i had that level of that that level of experience although i never really was like in a scenario before chips where it had to be taken very seriously it was just sort of a like not like as craft like it was never it was never thought of as craft in that scenario but like it definitely is more experience i feel like than most people have yeah that's awesome that's really cool i wish i had an improv club in high school i don't know if i would have done it but i think it would have been cool to like know it and see it and get it clean because i had no idea what improv was before college oh really no no never no i mean like we we um we definitely had a good time with it i mean like <laughs> it was definitely like not it, it was like far from a cool thing to do <laughs> i'll say that yeah sure <laughs> that that makes sense i feel like improv clubs in high schools are are mostly just like you know we joke around <laughs> about like leaving tips practice be like oh my god i just like love the way that your like mind works like that's like insane like yeah <laughs> like that's like all of high school improv is just like being like like that was so funny when you said like that like oh my god like you're like so funny. <laughs> yeah dude the way the way you like made that happen it's just like it just goes to show like your brain is on a different level like you're thinking in just like four dimensions and that's like insane. Like, like I can't even keep up. Like yeah, your brain is able to see the way your eyes see, but your brain has eyes and it is phenomenal. I'm like, you, you're a good listener too. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's like mostly what it was. And, and also like, cause me and Jackson, this guy were like, we, 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 we were like teaching improv, but we literally <laughs> were just like going out of the UCB, like, ASCAT manual that you can like buy on Amazon about like how to right. do improv and then just like teaching kids how to do it from that bullshit. Um but uh it was really fun and like when I got I knew like chips was the very first thing that I knew I wanted to do like when I got to UNC. Had you heard about false prophets? Yeah, so when I when I was like when I knew I was going to go to UNC, I like went on Facebook and I was like checking out um, the different like situations for comedy. And I looked at like false profits page and like chips page and like false profits promotions for all their stuff. I was like, okay. And then like chips, the videos that they had on, on the chips, Facebook page of like, I don't even know what was on there, but there were so many things that I was like, this is the, the good one. I like told my parents, I was like, I know for a fact, this is the actual good one. Cause I can tell these people are actually really funny. <laughs> uh That's and like awesome. take it seriously and like this is definitely like the amateur hour one <laughs> like you if you it, like if you know what you're talking about i think it's just so like not to badmouth false prophets but it's just so obvious like the difference i think um when you really look at when you really look at just like the the product that is out there but sure yeah um but yeah i came into that knowing what i wanted to do. it was also crazy because that first semester I auditioned there were so many people there at the audition like I don't think there's ever there's been a an audition that's been that big since I've been a chip yeah that was a big that was a big one I don't know how they got that many people to come and like I, I that's the thing is like I I like racking my brain like how the hell did that many people show up to that thing because like we haven't been able to replicate that 
at all. And like, I, I, it's definitely not like the people who were in charge of it at that time were like any better at pub. No, definitely not. Probably the precise opposite. So I don't know. I guess it was just more of a kind of coincidence, but oh man, those are the days. How did you, wait, how did you start? I auditioned for False Prophets fall semester and I didn't, so I, they, like the, the first day I did two improv scenes, I, I don't even, I don't think they were good, but I think it was like fun. And then they were like, okay, well, if you did improv today, come t- tomorrow with the standup like ready. And I was like, what on, what, excuse me? I don't know how to do standup. So I literally, at the time this was okay, but I took a Louis CK bit, replaced all the words with things that made sense for me. And they completely saw right through it. Like it was very clearly a Louis CK bit. Um, so I didn't get a call back. And then, uh, you know, I told you this, but uh, Philip Smart actually took me to Chibs audition spring semester. And uh, I don't, I really don't know. I mean, like, I think he should have got on. It was a shame that he didn't get on. But uh, yeah, that's how, that's how it happened. No, I, I, I like knowing Phil now, like, I really think he should, he should have, he should have gotten on. Yeah. I mean, that dude is hilarious. I remember his auditions and like the the reason I get upset now is because because we've been on the other end of like letting people in. I, I you know how subjective it can be if you don't have the right things in mind and I feel like it was somehow really subjective because he was they told him to uh they told him to be weird or something. Oh they they said go to 11 or something like that. And then the chip that he was with, I think it was a chip or somebody he did the scene with they were they they pretended to be a, a seal. Like they were a, a seal that didn't use words. Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> and Phil was like, I and he just Phil actually went with it pretty well, I thought. But at then he still talks about. It. He's like, what? How the fuck was I supposed to do improv with the seal? Like I don't know how to. Yeah, it also sucks because like because it's like you can only audition once a semester. I feel like you. I feel like I always worry that we like lose people who like really could be there, uh, but like they're just not there in that moment but like they're not gonna like most of those people unless they're like cc or whatever are like not gonna like come back every semester you know what i mean right i'm honestly shocked somebody like ross came back like three times before getting on yeah no me too like because ross is also just so impatient (laughs) yeah yeah you see him now and it's like how on earth did you (laughs) oh man i miss ross too me too me too the um but yeah, like I I, 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 I mean, it's wonderful that he came back, and like I wish more people would do that because like I feel like there have been people in the past, even since I've been like on that end of the audition thing, which I guess has been like, which is crazy to think that I'm like I've been on that end more than I've been on the other end now at this point. But the um, uh, that that like I feel like if they kept coming back, then like in a different audition. And with like maybe a little bit more of a sense of like what we do, they could be like way better. Um, but like I'm always on the team of like, I mean, you remember, like I'm always on the team of like you. I care less about like what the quality of what you said was, but like I feel like there's just like a a vibe and like a capacity for being funny and yes. like being a cohesive member of the group that like you either have or you don't. And if you can express that, then like I'm interested, and if you can't, I'm not. Um, yeah, yeah. Working, I think it's like working. There was three things that I feel like I concluded by the end of auditions that I was like, these are the factors. It was like working with like partner work, like supporting your partner, um, 
um I forgot the other one and then like being funny like are you are you funny do I find you funny yeah and like it's it's kind of crazy to me how people that I think are really funny are like you can you can know that without ever speaking to them it's like that like some like when I first met you when I first met like a lot of the people on chips when I first got on I was like I can feel that you're funny people and I don't know you you know what I mean yeah and like that is the key it's like they I feel like there's got to be people that they come out on stage and before they even say any words the audience is like that person is funny yeah just like a completely intangible thing um like I don't even know like how to describe that vibe but like you know what I'm talking about like it's just like absolutely it and it's it's almost subjective but it doesn't feel subjective because of the fact that it's so universal at the time like yes i remember watching i think you were there at the second city show like two years ago in chicago and there was this like really tall guy with a mustache mm-hmm. and he was kind of kind of lanky and i remember the very beginning of the second city show they just like kind of stand there i remember looking at all of them looking at him like that guy's a clown like what <laughs> like, he's so funny yeah it's impossible to describe it's like the way they carry themselves or just their spiritual aura or something like that (laughs) you can just feel that they're funny like every time i've ever been to an improv show i always feel like when they all walk out at first i you can just feel like that person that person that person they are naturally funny they just have like the the soul bond (laughs) necessary to like be yeah funny yeah and and like i feel i feel like someone like dan (laughs) <laughs> I feel like yeah. Dan is the prime example because Dan literally could do anything. Like Dan, I I laugh. He's talking about the his most normal day, and I cannot just I can't. It's stop hilarious. It's so funny, and he just does funny shit. Funny stuff happens to him. Like and and he and he could be. I could be like watching him commit a gruesome murder, and it would be <laughs> hilarious. He could be doing anything. Um, yeah. And he's yeah, like, yeah. Oh no! Oh dear. Yeah, dude, I, I need to see Dan because, like, I feel like I, 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 he's one of he's one of those people in my life that like I just need a little dose of him all the time in order to like feel okay. <laughs> I actually was thinking like when we were when I was doing this in person that I wanted, I I didn't care like I I basically like I could interview you whatever, but if I interviewed Dan, I really wanted you to be there just so you guys could do bits and I could just stand like sit back. I just th- yeah, I really I think we can still pull it off over Zoom, but if I feel like there's so many of me and Dan's bits though that it's probably good that they'll never be recorded. <laughs> My favorite one is the one the one that can't be recorded. Maybe is the the racist British British people one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It makes me laugh so much. Like I I just love that. Like like there's nothing better than like being racist with Dan. Like the <laughs> Like we used to do, <laughs> we used to do a bit. I don't know if you remember this one, but like when he was first on, we used to do a bit where he was the ghost of Nelson Mandela, and I was <laughs> de- depressed Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> I can't, I can't even do it." And, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I was just <laughs> the horrible, horrible stuff." But it was so funny, and like, yeah. Oh man, that's the type of thing also that like. Yeah. I feel like that can't be replicated. Like, that's what's sad about I feel like if you ever, like, go out there and do comedy, it's like you can't really 
do the things that you would do like with your like funniest friends like that's like not what comedy is like the funniest things that you and I will ever do will not be the things that we ever put out there into the world (laughs) that's how I feel whenever I talk to um my friends in college who like don't do improv yeah because they're all they're all most of my friends are like freaking hilarious they make me laugh way more than I make them laugh and then whenever we do something funny I'm like dude like that was by the way that was improv and they're like dude shut up like that's not I was like you don't understand but like this is all we do is just fuck around and then it happens to be on stage just do bits and then like some of those things end up being scenes most of them don't (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i mean i I feel like if people saw that they would understand what we do better because a lot of my friends are like oh i could never do improv and then i'm like you're wrong and like i know a ton of people who like they are they've got that spirit like they've got that like naturally funny vibe to them but they don't think of themselves as performers and they don't think of themselves as actors or or as writers or as funny people like because which is such a shame because some of them are really, really funny and like they could really do great things, I think, if they thought of themselves differently. But I feel like that that speaks to like the other aspect of the of the thing, which is like you've got to you've got to like want to do it, like want to be laughed at. And I feel like that takes a whole other kind of special probably mixture of like mental illnesses. I don't know. <laughs> But like the uh, <laughs> self-hatred, uh, self-flagellation, whatever, yeah. the just be like, they didn't laugh and I am yeah. suffer for that. But it is a shame. Like I, I have a ton of friends that I really think are hilarious, but they they would never like I, I couldn't force them at gunpoint to like try to do improv or, or comedy in, in general. Sure. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. But can we can we talk about because it's been an hour and I. Not that we should end, but I think we this should be it towards the end of the podcast. You like I know you're a Catholic and you talk about it sometimes in terms of like Conan O'Brien joking about how like his life was and everything. And I'm curious to like know more about how you think that has influenced you as, as a person and as like a funny guy. Well, I think that it's probably best summed up honestly by the uh I don't know if you listened to the Nick Kroll episode of the Conan O'Brien. I'm halfway through that one. I haven't finished it. He's like talking to Nick Kroll about it. And he's saying like, you know, all the, he, cause Nick Kroll's Jewish and he's talking about like, yeah, you know, the Jews that I meet, they, they walk around in their lives and they're like, I've made a mistake and I'm sorry that I've made a mistake. But Catholics I know are like, I am a mistake. <laughs> that is how I feel. It really is how I feel because, wow. and not really, but it's like, I think that there is something deep inside the heart of every Catholic, especially Irish Catholics, which is like, we're told from a very young age, like humans are the reason that there is evil in the world. Sin is your fault. You have free will and your ancestors made a mistake and therefore you are born a sinner. And oh my God. And, and so, and what I've come to, like I, you know, I, where I am religiously is a whole other conversation, but it's like, you come to realize that that's not really the point And that's not really what that is meant to say. But like, as a kid, you're like, okay, so if I screw up, not only am I screwing up for me, but I'm contributing to like the overall quantity of just evil in the world. And that is inherently a hilarious predicament for any child to be in sure yeah that in some way contributes to like and the necessity of like joking you know um because because i think 
there's like a I'm in like a weird combination in my family of like my dad is like Irish Catholic, raised Irish Catholic, but he was like pretty distant from all of that when I was born. But then when my grandma died, when I was about three, he like really wanted to go back to the church. So he like went back to the church and my mom, who had been like every denomination of Protestant ever kind of moved around a bunch as a kid, converted to Catholicism after that. So she is like all into like a, she's almost more Catholic than like someone who was born Catholic because she never got to the point of like thinking about it with a sense of irony. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like is all into it with like the catechism and all that stuff. And like, and she, like my mom's an, an English teacher. So she like thinks about a lot of like Catholic teaching and the symbology of, of Catholicism as like being like just that, like being, being symbolic and being a really effective, like kind of literary strategy to like talk about the things beyond, I suppose. And like, I appreciate it on that level. And we have like, we've had good conversations about that, but like, uh, I feel like her energy of Southern Baptist, basically background combined with Irish Catholic has created like an ultimate degree of martyrdom in my family (laughs) of like there's the southern thing of being like well you know don't worry about me i'm all right don't don't worry about it i'll i'll don't worry about me doing the dishes whatever there's like that and then there's like the catholic thing of like i suffer for you i suffer for you i suffer for god Uh, and it is and it's righteous to suffer and so like my whole family growing up was always like look at me up on this cross I'm suffering on your behalf. Anyone going to do anything about it? No, 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 no. Please don't get me off this cross. I'm on, I'm up here. I want to be up here. (laughs) And that's like how my family talks about everything. So that's funny. I just, I feel like that contributes in some way to like kind of being a funny person or like, or feeling like you have to be a funny person. Right. You can't help it. You can't help it. And you also like both of my parents like will do that thing where they like frame themselves as martyrs and they like almost my dad, especially, I think like gets into these situations where he wants to like suffer as much as possible to like prove that he's worthy of the things that he has in his life. And like as his son, I always feel that it's like my responsibility to like poke a hole in that like make him feel better or just like be like, let's not take yourself so seriously. <laughs> I was right, like, I'm right, sure right. God has bigger things on his plate than like how much you're suffering today. So yeah, I think that you kind of, if you grow up in a family like that, cause we're also like, both my parents are very funny and like my, my siblings are funny. And that's always been like a cap, like a capital thing in my family of like, if you want to be like the kid that they love the most that day, then <laughs> You've got to be funny. That's just the way it works. Sure, sure. I don't know. I mean, what's it like in your family? Um, <laughs> uh, so so um I guess so like my religion is Jainism and I grew up Jain and we're all Jain. Um and the idea of Jainism, I guess is like non-violence. That's such a way woke religion than Catholicism. Ah, <laughs> uh, not even, dude. It's just it's just it's just more peaceful, so it seems woker, but 
there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense like there's yeah everything they talk about space a lot in jainism they claim all sorts of stuff that doesn't make sense like there's two sons and i'm like all right let's <laughs> no but so like the whole idea of jainism is like non-violence in every regard of life so like like you know obviously your actions should be non-violent your like your thoughts are if their thoughts are violent that's bad because that's you know thinking bad about others but also it like poisons your mind with anger and eat your ego and stuff um so like i think growing up those were like all really really good values to like drive into me as a kid and like i felt like i would like feel bad like crossing the lawn to get to my friend's house like i would go on the driveway kind of thing little things like that but then at a certain age i think pretty much like middle school is when i started to be like hold on like nobody else is abiding by any of these rules that I have been trained. Like, nobody is thinking the way I was t- told to think. And I think because of that, it was a level of, like, cynicism, I guess, that took over me. But I started to, like, joke heavily. And basically, like, you know, in our community of Jains, that'd be, like, an annual event every year where um, it's... it's I don't know like I'm the awful Jane. I don't even know why we celebrate. I think it's, like, the birthday of our main, like, disciple person. What's his name? Um, um mahavir yeah yeah <laughs> did you know that well yeah because only from like fre- like freaking ap world history or whatever we had to learn about Jane. that's impressive though because i remember in my world history class we had like a paragraph so that's cool that you actually like were able to recognize yeah we had a very like it. with it ap world history teacher <laughs> yeah it's awesome i respect that guy man damn i wish i had somebody like that mine was like uh we have hindus um by the way james and hindus it's <laughs> They uh, sweep bugs in front of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They carry out a broom at all times. <laughs> um, no, but like at this like annual, you know, festival thing that they held every year, I like starting in middle school, me and my friends would like be like the main hosts of it. And we would like put on skits and stuff with the help of adults. And then by the time I got to high school, I was like, no, like, let me be the Billy Crystal of this event. Like, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to monologue. And I started to do that. I would like, like host the event. And I just started to like, I always take a lot of bits from like things I saw online, yeah. but a lot of it was like making fun of the stuff that like we were taught and stuff like that. Not like being disrespectful, but being like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, and yeah, I think I, nobody else really in that community would like joke like that. I think that was like the only one at the time who was like looking at things like that. And I think that was really big for me to be like, Oh, I can like, I can like challenge or like, you know, make fun of, the craziness that is the things that I've been taught. Um, and then in my family, it's like my mom is like, my mom's a super goofy person. Like the things she finds funny is like the things we find funny, just like the dumbest things ever. She'll just like cry laughing. <laughs> and then my dad is one to like make really bad, like dad jokes and then find those funny. So both the sides, but it's just like bad jokes that we, <laughs> that we find really funny. Like, like, okay. You know, the scene in Zootopia where the sloth is talking really slowly yeah yes that's my mom's favorite scene probably of cinema history <laughs> <laughs> i think she like if she if you play that she'll just cry for that hours. captures uh i feel like that tells you what i need to know <laughs> <laughs> dude it's funny though because i feel like in a weird way like i was the same like i kind of always like wanted to make fun of all of the like rigid rigidity of catholicism and all that but there's like there is like that that root of like nonviolence or like that that central image of like turn the other cheek or or um you know 
like treat others the way you want to be treated all all, the, all that stuff that is like the fundamental values of 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 any religion really but it's like i feel like comedy weirdly is like a it's like a strategy to maintain that like the yes like as a kid it was like i couldn't beat anyone up i couldn't beat anyone at football i couldn't outrun anyone i couldn't do any of that stuff but like i can make people laugh and so that was the way i could just like non-belligerently establish myself as like important <laughs> yeah and i'm i mean i don't know about you but i was like a, not was i am like a pretty serious person when i'm not doing like funny stuff and uh i was a really angry kid like i would just get angry all the time and then starting in middle school once i realized i could be funny that was like the only other option if i wasn't gonna be angry i had to be like you know making fun or you know laughing very true and like i don't know if i was angry a lot but i was like i was also serious like like i I was also one of those people that like was always resented like the rebels in movies and stuff and i was like no like (laughs) like like i think it's like camille nanjiani like talks about that stuff like like about how he like was always like ferris bueller like stressed him out because ferris bueller is like such an asshole yeah 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 like i was like that too like i took the rules seriously i and i still do like i still do probably to an unhealthy degree and like i i was and i would get mad about that too or i would feel like other people could get away with things that i couldn't get away with and like that would make me angry even though i wasn't even really trying to get away with those things and then i felt i realized like comedy is a way for me to like not break the rules necessarily but to like be a little bit like naughty i guess but like and all and like poke fun at things i think are funny but also like avoid conflict or like avoid like getting actually angry with people like it's all about i guess being liked ultimately but the um but like yeah i feel like it is like it's like a strategy of nonviolence. like i maybe that's like valuing it too highly but i really do think that like if if there's any key in the world to like people not killing each other it's probably like being funny <laughs> yeah we've established world peace folks just uh everyone start doing stand-up and uh life will be okay no one will ever kill each other again but like it is just like 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 i mean killing other people on behalf of like a nation or like a god or anything is like inher- is inherently absurd and is like pretty funny if you think about it enough <laughs> very much so very very much so. <laughs> um so i don't know but like uh but yeah i mean i I, it's funny to me that you started doing basically stand up at janist holiday events (laughs) oh that's yeah that was the start of it all dude that was it really was (laughs) i have people i mean remember the first time i did it people were like blown away they were like do you this you gotta do that again like that was like we've never seen anything like that i was like i what like because no one nobody was because all the people who like like my parents right like they they were taught everything and they know all the prayers and stuff, but they really don't know what any of it means. Right. So like really what it means. And that's like all our parents. And then we get here and we're like, why are we doing this? And they're like, just do it. And we're like, this is, this is silly. Like, Were so. both of your parents born in India? Yeah. Yeah. So that, when did, when did they come to the U.S.? They came, let's see, they got married in 1990, I think. Um, and they, I think they came here later that year or the year after. So I think like my dad was already here for like two years doing school. So he probably got here at like 87, 88. Yeah. And then my mom got here 90, 91. Right. So they, so they like fully grew up in India. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
I was just wondering like how removed they were from like the like actual cultural background of all that stuff. They're so integrated, and and the reason it also helped them was that like they got here, they came to carry around like you know ninety one or whatever, and there was already like a Jane community established, and they were like, yeah, now it's big, but before it was pretty small. But like finding that for them, they were like, oh, we can just do our normal thing here. So they got integrated pretty fast, which was which was nice. That's America, man. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah, no, it's kind of funny because like. The the whole Irish Catholic background thing is like, like my dad, you know, grew up in Ireland and like was really super a part of it, like went to like Irish Catholic school growing up, like got his hand beat with rulers and stuff if he ever did anything wrong at like his Jesuit high school and stuff. But he like went through like a whole phase in college where he was like a quasi Marxist, like con- contrarian basically and was like, believe in any of that stuff anymore. And then like, <laughs> that's funny. I experienced like all of that culture, like through the filter of him, basically. um which is sort of weird because he's like a he's like a liberal guy, also very like proudly American, like really happy to be American, really convinced that America is like the greatest country in the world, but also yeah. like definitely has these things that I don't even know if he's aware of, but are just like tendencies that definitely come from that Irish Catholic, like beat down culture. <laughs> like it's just, it's it's very interesting like the way any background like that filters into like you know just a just an american lifestyle that doesn't value those things at all really <laughs> yeah oh yeah totally i think um one thing my parent i think one thing i've realized more now that we've been like me and my sister both been here for like two months we're all living together like it was like you know four years ago whatever right it's like the things that <laughs> i feel like i look at like what my parents taught us growing up and like what they wanted us to be like and then four years later i'm i've come back to college and now they get to see the proof like the evidence of what i've been like how successful were they yeah yeah and it's like well um i really wish i was doing improv comedy right now (laughs) i'm not gonna clean my room because i don't care and um i'm gonna go eat oreos (laughs) because that's what my diet mostly consists of during the school year (laughs) oh god no that's so true that was the other reason why i had to get away from home it's like because I was saying to other people, like, I was I was ready to, like, leave and, like, do my own thing again and, like, be an adult. But I also was, like, weirdly getting, like, comfortable again. <laughs> yes. I'm so comfortable. My When I was setting up this podcast, my mom gave me two omelets. Not omelets, but, like, I guess, like, I don't know, savory pancake things. And then, like, delivered a smoothie. And I'm just, like... <laughs> I'm I'm not getting paid to make this yeah, exactly. podcast. <laughs> like I would be like in class, my mom be like, "Hey, do you like want um, some coffee or something?" And like, what's good? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> and then I'd be like, "Um, that actually that took kind of a long time." Um, <laughs> yeah, that'll come out of your tip. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> you'll see that at the end of the month. The um, <laughs> but like that that's the the thing is like people always like I feel like who are home in like the quarantine period like all of them are like like I can't be home with my parents like they're so annoying or whatever and I'm like yeah but like. And like, don't get me wrong, my parents are very annoying, but they, but like mostly I was like, I'm afraid that I'll forget how to live by myself if I keep doing this for much longer. Yeah, that's fair. To being like a 15 year old again. That's very fair. Yeah. It does take a while to like get reacclimated for sure. Yeah. All right, hombre. This was solid. I have an, I have an hour and 20 minutes of recording time. That's pretty hype. Let's go! But no, it really it was. Thank um, God, a Patrick Clinch episode is out now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I need um, to go back and listen to all of your ones with like Bridget and everyone. 
Yeah, no, they're fun. They're fun. I, I think I sometimes listen to them just to like be like, ah, the good old times when I was optimistic about the future and what have you. How's that working out for you? Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, but you're going to be a, you're going to be just fine out there. I have no doubt about it whatsoever. And hey, when all this is over and people can go uh, out again, we should go to New York and do stuff together. You can write and perform and we can we can make it a make it a duo. I'll dude, I'll hit you up anytime. I would love to do that, man. That'd be so fun. When we're when we're out there in the world, we'll we'll we'll, we'll stay in contact for absolute sure. No, for sure. We'll keep we'll keep in touch. <laughs> oh, whoa! <laughs> Tagline <Natural>. zing. <laughs> yeah, no, this was good, dude. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. And also, we should um we should talk more because I know I really haven't talked to you since that last Zoom call we had. No, I love you, man. I miss you. Miss you too, buddy. We'll be connected. Adios. Thanks so much for tuning in to Let's Keep in Touch, produced and edited by me, Mihir Shah. Original music by Kevin Cow. You can check out his beats on SoundCloud at Weiguang Beats. Um, thanks to San Bei, my roommate and good friend, for selling me his uh, microphone at a very cheap price that I use quite often on this show. Uh, and thanks to all my friends for uh, you know supporting me in doing this and uh, agreeing to be on my show. It's been really fun and very fulfilling. That's all. Take it easy.